It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I am so glad that Lynn McQuiston contacted me after her guild members, Carolyn Burgess and Betsy Bauman, had been interviewed. Lynn and I had a wonderful time visiting. Have you ever journaled about what was going on in your life while making a quilt? This helped Lynn realize how her quilt got her through the best of times and the worst of times. Lynn, thanks for joining me on A Quilter's Life today. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, Paula. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Let's start with your background. Where were you born and raised? I was born in East Cleveland and lived there until I was nine. And we lived next door on the other side of the wall from my grandparents, who owned two townhouses, and my parents rented the one side, and my grandparents owned both units were on the other side. And then at nine, we moved to Cleveland Heights. And a few years later, my grandparents moved right across the street from us. I've been an East Side girl in Cleveland for 60 years. And from Cleveland Heights, I moved to South Euclid, to Lyndhurst. And then when we got married and raised our family in Solon, Ohio, for 28 years. And... About six years ago, we decided to move, and we moved to the west side. We took the big leap and went over the 480 bridge and ended up over in Rocky River about six years ago. Wow. How about employment? Well, I have a very background. When I got out of high school, I was not fortunate enough to be able to afford to go to college, so I started working right away, and I worked as the person that ran an orthodontist office for an orthodontist that was just starting out. And from there, I worked as a secretary for the company was called Tremco, and it was like a roofing company. I got married and raised my kids. And then when my children started to school in first and second grade, I took a job with the school system in Solon, and I was a lunchroom monitor part of the day, and the other part of the day, I went over and transferred all of the high school library books to a computer system. Then I took a job with a company called Med Centers, and I did online surveys asking the patients questions about their experience when they were treated at the med centers. My husband, unfortunately, had lost his job through some downsizing, and so I had to go work full-time, and I took a job at the Cleveland Clinic as a secretary to two doctors in the bone marrow transplant unit, and I worked there for a while. And then I answered an ad for Sherwin-Williams for a secretary in their accounting department and found my home and worked there for 20 years 
two of them in accounting, and then I transferred over to human resources and did a lot of their computer work, mostly self-taught, but I did take classes at Cleveland State, and I did all of their HR reporting through their computer system, and I retired in 2014. Wow. That's quite a list. Sound like you enjoyed your job. I did enjoy working at Sherwin-Williams. It's a great company. The employees there were wonderful. I will say I was never looking for a career. I basically had to work. We had two children, and we needed some money to get them through college. So my purpose was to bring in some extra money. And I figured as long as I had to go to work, I was going to make the most of it. And one of the things I'm most proud of working at Sherwin-Williams was because I was in HR, I get involved in all kinds of employee projects. When 9-11 hit, I organized a group of us. The employees were, as everybody was, feeling so sad about what happened and feeling like they wanted to do something. And so we organized a couple of fundraisers. And over the course of three days, we raised $45,000 to take to the Red Cross to help the families of the survivors of the 9-11 attacks. Due to that, I was given a very wonderful award by Chris Conner, who was the chairman of the board and CFO of the company. And I was very, very proud of that. A Chairman's Choice Award was the first award he ever gave out, and he gave it to me, and I was pretty proud of that. That's something to be proud of. How wonderful to get to do something and have a part of that terrible time we went through to do something good. Well, it was a way for the employees to feel like they were doing something. I mean, everybody was just so devastated. And it was something that we all pitched in together and did. It was really helpful to everybody to feel like they were doing something proactive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump back a minute. I forgot to ask you, do you have a special childhood memory? The childhood memories that I have, as I mentioned, we lived right on the other side of the wall from my grandparents. I was the oldest of three children, and my grandparents, who adored us, did a great job of finding something particular for each one of the three of us kids to spend time with us. And so my grandmother, who was an avid sewer, taught me how to sew. I picked up on it and I loved it. And so she would spend time with me sewing on her little black featherweight. My sister loved to cook and she spent a lot of time with my sister in the kitchen teaching her how to cook. And my grandfather and my father spent a lot of time with my brother taking him fishing. I will say my mother was involved in also the sewing and the cooking, but those are the best memories I have ever spent running next door to Grammy and Grandpa's house 
spending one-on-one time with them. How fun. I keep picturing everyone loves Raymond. It wasn't like that mother-in-law or mother popping in all the time, was it? No, 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 it was not. My grandmother was nothing like Marie (laughs) Barone. Although, I will say, my father's family was Italian, and we spent a lot of time with cousins growing up. And although our family was nothing like the Barone family, other than we were very loud and we were very animated, and we all loved each other dearly. Nice. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? When we moved to Cleveland Heights, I was not quite 10, and there was a furrier at the top of the street from us, and I used to go up there and ask for all the scraps, and I would make mink stoles for my Barbie dolls. I also, at 12, which is a little old for this, but for Christmas, I wanted a Thumbelina doll for the sole purpose of spending time with my grandmother, who was helping me make the doll clothes and teaching me how to make clothes. So I was learning how to sew clothes at that time, by the time I was 12. I did a lot of sewing in home ec. I was an overachiever in home ec class in high school and made a lot of clothes. I made my husband a suit coat when we were dating. I did various needlepoint, cross-stitch, crocheting. When my children were young and I was home, the big craze in the 80s was puffy paints, and I would make little sweatshirts and sweatpants with puffy paint on them with designs, and I would get chintz fabric and fuse those on and make different designs and sell those at different hair salons. I wallpapered our whole house. I refinished some furniture. A lot of homemade stuff. Do you do any other hobbies? No, I have been concentrating on quilting since 2000. After my children graduated high school, I've been concentrating on that. And now I have so much time and money involved in that. I'm married to it. I can't change (laughs) shifts now. I can't change gears now. I was thinking of the connection between other crafts that you've done and your quilting. Obviously, your sewing when you were younger led to sewing with your quilting. Is there any other connection? I'm very detail-oriented, and that was one of the things that made me successful when I worked at Shulin Williams. I'm very detailed. I love working with puzzles. When you work with data and you are trying to make sure that you have a lot of data integrity, you need to look at the details. And when you're sewing, it's like a puzzle. You put things together in pieces and it all comes together as a whole. And I think that all melds together into a unique skill. I agree. I do bookkeeping for other companies and 
that's exactly what you're saying. You have to look at those details, and I think that flows just right into quilting. Yes, you're right. It's the details, and I'm a very detail-oriented person to my own fault sometimes, but it plays right into quilting, and it appeals to me. It doesn't appeal to a lot of people, but it appeals to me. And I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, again, to my own detriment, but it's worked out okay. Mm-hmm. So was it your grandmother that introduced you to quilting also, or was it someone else? Well, no, this is an interesting story. So in Northeast Ohio, there's a large quilt show at Lake Farm Park out in Kirtland, Ohio. It's called Metro Parks Farm Park. Like it says, it's a farm. There's farm animals and hayrides and maple syrup festivals. But they have a great program where every couple of weeks they've got something new going on. And one of the things they've done for almost 30 years is they have a quilt show. And it draws people from all over Northeast Ohio, and they've had people from out of state to put their entries in. And they have two judges that are national judges that come to the show. We've had Linda Miller, Linda McEwen, Anita Shackelford. So we get very well-known judges that come to this show and judge the show. Also, in the beginning, they were having two national teachers come. Now I think they've called it down to one teacher. And she comes for about a week, and she stays and teaches a lot of classes. And then there are local teachers that come. Well, in 1999, my father had passed away in the late summer, and my children were graduating high school, so I was going to be an empty nester. And I was one day in March taking my mom out to the cemetery out that way by the farm park. I, at that point, had no idea that there was a quilt show. I didn't even realize there were quilt shops. I mean, I had been raising children and had other things on my mind. So we were driving out, and we had to pass the farm park, and there's a big fence along the road, and there was a huge sign that said quilt show. And so I said to my mom on the way back from the cemetery, how about we stop in and check out this quilt show? And so she was agreeable to that. And the purpose really for me was we go to the cemetery, and it was really sad, and she would always be sad, and we'd go to lunch, and then I'd take her home, and I knew she was know, pretty sad after that. And I thought maybe this would be a nice way to end the day on something else to think about. Well, we walked into this quilt show and both of us were just dumbstruck. I mean, it was the most wonderful thing we had ever seen. And with every quilt we looked at, we kept bumping each other saying, we could do this because My mom had sewn all my clothes when I was growing up. She made both of my prom dresses. She helped me make my daughter's first communion dress. I mean, we were no strangers to sewing. But this was a whole new world to us that we were completely unaware of. And we were just so excited to see these quilts. Just a whole new world that opened up to us. And there was a group of women who were there that were the white glove ladies who were walking around answering questions 
and some of them were demonstrating some applique and some hand quilting. And we spent quite a bit of time talking with them. And they informed us that there were actual quilt shops, which we had no idea. We just knew Joanne Fabric sold fabric. So without even eating lunch, we left the show and we went directly to the closest quilt shop <laughs> to check it out. Although we did not sign up for a class and we didn't buy any fabric, I did buy one pattern. But we left there determined that we were going to give this a try. And neither one of us looked back from that day on. We were both hook, line, and sinker. We were in it. <laughs> what a blessing to get to do that with your mom. Yes, it was. She would take all of my scraps, and she would make string quilts, and she made two hexagon quilts, grandmother's flower garden quilts. And she made peace quilts and so on. And I was still working at the time. So most of the time, we'd just call each other on the phone and talk about what we were doing and so on. And on the weekends, I'd go over and see what she was doing and help work out any issues that one or the other of us had. But it was a great hobby for us to do together and talk about together. And it was really good for her after my dad had passed. It was very, very good for her. She gave her something fun to do during the day. So it was a blessing really for both of us. Mm -hmm. That was in 2000. And it took me seven years of making quilts before I got up the nerve to enter one of my own quilts in that show. Wow. My goal was that I was going to enter a quilt in that show at some point, and it took me seven years to finally get up the nerve to think that I had something that I thought other people would like to enjoy. So I was pretty excited about that. Well, can you tell me about that quilt? Well, that particular quilt was a quilt that was a series in a magazine. I think it was McCall's Magazine. And like every publication they would list another part of the quilt to make and it was really cute it was very folksy and it has little people on it and you put yarn for their hair and it was a house and I embroidered our name over the house and it was really fun I didn't win an award but where they hung the quilt was right next to the best of show which was when you walked in the front door to go to the show, the first thing you saw was the best of show, and then you saw my quilt. It was such a thrill to walk in and see my quilt hanging there. I let out a squeal. I was so excited. How fun. Now, did your mom get to see that quilt? Oh, yes. She saw that quilt, and actually, she had a quilt in the show as well. She had finished uh, Hexagon, Grandmother's flower garden and I talked her into putting that quilt in the show too and she did and so we both had a quilt in that show and it was pretty exciting. She went to every show with me from 2000. We were made it a point to go every year together until 2013. She passed away in 2014. Mm -hmm. So we went together for those 13 years or so 
Mm-hmm. It was always fun. What's your favorite quilt? My favorite quilt is called the 1857 album quilt. And I stumbled across a Facebook group, Sentimental Stitches by Gay Bombers. And she was giving free patterns and she set up a Facebook group for this quilt. It was a block of the month for people working on the quilt to post their blocks every month or finished blocks. And it was the first time I had ever participated in anything like this. And it was the first time I ever found a quilting group on Facebook. And I met so many wonderful, wonderful ladies, so kind, so supportive. And the patterns were really fun. It was an antique. She had bought the antique quilt through an auction, and she patterned it. And then she was offering the patterns for free for that month. And then if you didn't print them off that month at the end, she was offering you could buy the patterns. So I worked on this, and I changed some of the blocks. At the time, my son and daughter-in-law and the two children moved back from California, and they moved in with us for a little while. And so I traced my two-year-old granddaughter's hands, and I applied her hands on the quilt. By the time the quilt was getting finished, we had four grandchildren, and so I had taken pictures of them and made silhouettes, and I put their silhouettes on the quilt. And it was a lot of fun. And I did the quilting on that myself. I have a handy quilter. I call it a long arm. Some may argue and say it's a short arm, but it's an 18-inch throat machine. And I did all the quilting on that myself. It was just a lot of fun. That was the most fun quilt I ever made. And I think part of it was because of the ladies in the Facebook group that we just kept chatting back and forth with and talking and I just had such a good time with that. Quilters are a fun group to be around. Yes, they are. You meet so many people, and with Facebook, my goodness, I've met people from all over the world that I talk to, and it's very interesting, it's very fun, and I'm just so, so blessed to have this wonderful hobby. Mm -hmm. I made another quilt before this one, In 2012, my mom started having a few health problems, and I was still working full-time. And so I went into work, and I talked to our VP, and I asked him if he could arrange for me to work part-time. And also, if I could move my office from downtown Cleveland out to the suburbs closer to my home where Sherwin's has a pink plant. And he very graciously agreed to do that for me. So I went from five days down to three days a week. And the plan was I would spend Wednesdays with my mom and then, of course, the weekend. And on Fridays, I was going to go to the Chagrin Falls Library where my guild members met in the afternoons, had lunch, and did handwork. So I went searching for a applique pattern to work on at the library with my friends. And I wanted something that I thought would be easy because I had only done one other hand applique quilt before. 
but I wanted a long-term project. And I found Kim McLean's Stars and Sprigs Quilt. And I brought the pattern in to the gals at the library, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And one of the guild members says to me, well, you're just going to ruin that quilt. You're going to spend all that time making that quilt, and you're going to hate it. And I said, my goodness, why would you say that? And she said, well, she said, you just love Civil War reproduction fabrics. And that quilt was made in case facet fabrics. And I think that the reason that you are drawn to that quilt is because of all the bright colors and design of the fabrics in the pattern. And when you make that quilt in Civil War fabrics, you're not going to like it because they're dull, muted colors. And I think you're going to put all that work into it and you're not going to like it. And I said, but I like my fabrics. That's why I bought them. And she said, well, I just think you're not going to like it. And so I said to her, well, you just watch and see. (laughs) So I began cutting up the background for this quilt over my Christmas break of 2012. For whatever reason, I've never done this before, and I'll never do this again. But I decided to keep a journal of what was going on in my life while I was making this quilt. I don't know why I did this, but I did. And I started it in December of 2011. And my goal was to get it done for my 60th birthday in September of 2013. (laughs) Well, that did not happen. (laughs) It took me a little bit longer than that to finish this quilt. But Let me share with you some of the things that happened during my life while I made this quilt, knowing that this quilt went with me everywhere I went. It was my constant companion through everything that happened in my life. Because it was an applique quilt, I could pick it up and take it with me everywhere. So as I said, I started this quilt in December over Christmas break. On Christmas Day, my brother-in-law was with us and we were having breakfast and he had a stroke at our Christmas table. Oh, wow. And he moved in with us on January 2nd to recuperate. On March 25th, he moved back home. He lived in Warren, Ohio. And he moved back home And I went for a walk. It was a very cold March day. And I went for a walk, and we lived at the bottom of a hill. And so I walked all the way up the hill and all the way back down and some more. The next night, I woke up, and I had terrible pain in my hips. And I ended up with bursitis and tendonitis. And I had some other problems. And it took two and a half years of seeing multiple doctors and all kinds of treatments and injections and chiropractic treatments and everything else. And I still deal with this today, this muscular skeletal problems. Mm. My brother-in-law passed away on April 18th of a heart attack. This was 
He had the stroke on December 25th, and he passed away on April 18th. He was 51. My. In September of that year, my first grandchild, Charlie, was born. The following March, my son got married, and they lived in Los Angeles, but they came home here to Cleveland to get married. Her family is from Akron. In June of 2013, my daughter and son-in-law purchased a house in Rocky River. On August 6th, my mother was diagnosed with a heart tumor, and there was nothing they could do about it. There was no treatment. They just had to watch it and hope that it didn't burst, and we were really sad. In January of the next year, after 20 years, I retired from Sherwin-Williams. In April, my mother passed away of lung cancer, but she was diagnosed two weeks before. We had no idea. Hmm. One month later, we moved into a new home in Rocky River. And two weeks after that, my second granddaughter was born. And a week after that, my second granddaughter, my third grandchild, was born. And on the day I finished this quilt in June of 2014, my other brother-in-law had a liver transplant at Cleveland Clinic. Hmm. So I had the best of times and I had the worst of times in my life. Having three grandchildren born was remarkable and having my dear mother pass away in the middle of all that was so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I stitched and stitched and stitched on that quilt. <laughs> but I'm happy to say Although she never saw it, she never saw any of it, I did put it in Lake Farm Park, and it did win Best of Show that year. Wow. And the judges recommended that I send it to Arizona to be judged for a Master Quilt Award, which it did not win, but it was such an honor to be considered. So I feel like she was looking down on me. Yeah. I was thinking she would have been so pleased. Yes, I'm sure she would have been. So it's nice you have all your grandchildren near you? I do now, yes. My daughter lives here in Rocky River, just a mile away, and she has the two grandchildren. And our son moved back home here from California, and they live in Avon Lake, which is only about 15 minutes away, and they now have two children. So we have a five-year-old, two six-year-olds, and an eight-year-old. And they are the joy of my life. Those are great ages to have fun with. They sit on my lap while I'm sewing, and they sew along with me, all four of them. And they (laughs) fight over it. I can't believe it, but they actually want to spend time here at my sewing machine, and they fight over it all the time when they're here. (laughs) How neat. Yeah. Do you have a favorite tool when quilting? Well, I do because I started applicating about 10 years ago, and I discovered this little practice silex travel iron that has the pointiest point on it, but it's a handheld iron. It's not like the clover iron. It's a wand iron. It's a regular travel iron. 
but the tip of it has the pointiest point that is just perfect for getting into like the V of a heart. Mm-hmm. And I found that most other irons, the tip is more rounded, and so it's more difficult to get in. And I just love this little practice stylus iron. And I got nervous that maybe one day it was going to burn out because it's so old. And I went looking for them online. And I called the company and they said they discontinued making it in 2013. So then I started looking on eBay to see if anybody was selling them. And I ended up buying one. I had to pay $50 for a $14 iron. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't do without it. I just don't know what my applique would look like if I didn't have my iron. Hmm. So that's my favorite tool that I just don't think I could do without. Wow. Hopefully they'll bring it back some year. I hope so. I told them how much I liked it, but I don't know if that made any difference (laughs) to them or not. And tell me about your favorite part of the quilting process. I don't know if I have a favorite part. I get very excited about when people pattern old antique quilts. For whatever reason, I'm very much drawn to quilts from the mid-1800s, late 1800s. I'm very drawn to those quilts. I just get very excited when I see new patterns come out. And, of course, like everybody else, I want to make everything, and I can't. The part about quilting that I hate, for whatever reason, I hate sewing borders on quilts. Hmm. I don't mind doing anything else, but just pinning and sewing long borders on quilts is so tedious and boring to me. I don't like that part at all. That's interesting. Now, do you have a worst quilting experience? I have a bad quilting experience that turned out to be a very good experience. I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach and went to a quilt shop, and they had a sampler quilt hanging up, and I fell in love with it, and I bought the pattern, and I bought fabric in two colorways to make two of these quilts. One was going to be a small wall hanging and the other was going to be a fairly large lap size quilt because I couldn't decide which color I liked best. So I bought enough fabric for both colorways. The one was blue and green and the fabric was seashells. The other one was pink and brown. So I made the quilts and I was just learning to do machine quilting on my long arm. And after the quilts were done, I really liked the blue and green one better. So I decided I was going to quilt that one first. And I knew what I wanted. It was a big carpenter star pattern. And so in the squares and the setting triangles, I wanted to quilt in a seashell motif in each of the squares and the setting triangles. And so I found the motifs and enlarged them so that they fit. And I loaded this up on my machine, and I had shells and seahorses and sea urchins and all these different patterns in these white black areas. And I was so proud of myself for transferring the design on and stitching it out and everything. And when I took it off the frame, 
You could not see one of the designs that I stitched into there. And I was just heartbroken. So I got online. This was before Facebook. And I got online to a Yahoo group for long-arm quilters that I discovered. And I started telling them what I did and asking questions and said, what did I do wrong? Because I wanted the designs to puff up a little bit. And so they told me that I should have used two layers of batting and that when I stitched the design, I should have used a slightly darker thread. And although I did like a meandering behind the designs, I didn't do it tight enough. So it just all blended together. And so I took their advice and I put the second quilt on and I redrew all the designs and I used two layers of batting and I did everything that they said. And when I took it off the frame, it was beautiful. Those designs just puffed right up, almost like I had stuffed them. Mm-hmm. And it turned out great. And so I took the other quilt and I folded it up and I just stuck it in the closet. <laughs> and I was really disappointed. Well, when we were moving, I got a phone call from the woman, Nancy Zamersla, who was in charge of fundraising for Women's Safe, which is in Geauga County, and it's a home for battered and abused women. It's a safe house for them. Mm-hmm. And our guild, every two years, we would give them a quilt to raffle off. It was an odd year, and she had some time available to do some fundraising. And so she, out of the blue, called me, and she said, would I happen to know someone that had a quilt or two that they were looking to donate? I could use a quilt or two and do some fundraising. And I said, well, yeah, I have this quilt. I mean, you could have this one. (laughs) So I gave her this blue and green quilt, and... She called me up at the end of the year, and she had made $16,000. Not dollars $16,000. She had $16,000 worth of tickets for that quilt. So here was a quilt that I thought I ruined, and look at all the good it did. Mm -hmm. Because of the success of that, I had given her two other quilts to do the same, and between the three quilts, they made over $30,000 for Women's Safe. Wonderful. So I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Why do you make quilts? Well, I first began making quilts just because we went to that show and I was just interested in sewing So I started making quilts for friends. Most of the people I worked with were younger than me, and they were all having babies. I think seven of my coworkers had babies in those two years after I discovered quilting. So I made seven baby quilts. And I made some quilts for my kids. And then my mom said, you know, you're getting pretty good at this. Quit giving these things away. They're expensive, and you're putting a lot of time into this. And they're not appreciating what you're doing. And as the years went on and I've been quilting, I realized that I really have an appreciation for old vintage quilts. And I really love 
recreating them. I think I've recreated 17 antique quilts now. That really is my passion, to recreate these old quilts, these old quilt patterns. And I just love it. I just love working on them. I don't do anything with them. I just keep them safe and well-protected in the closet, wrapped up. But I love working on them, and I love recreating them. Are you working on one of those right now? I am. Actually, I have three of them finished that I'm waiting to quilt. And I have two that are in the works. And both of them are, again, through Sentimental Stitches, through the Block of the Month program. One will be done in a couple of months. It will be done in May. And it's quite large. It's 106 by 106. And I have 83 squares. Hmm. Mostly applique, but piece. And I never realized what a terrible piecer I was until I started making these blocks. And I have such an appreciation for the women in the past who, without rotary cutters, without very good lighting, did these blocks that were amazing. Some of them I can't do. I've had to substitute. They're just too hard. Mm-hmm. But I turned it into kind of a family album quilt. I put some of my own blocks in there. I have a block for each of my grandparents and their names and when they got married. And I have, of course, one for myself and my husband, and I have them for my kids, and I have them for my grandchildren, and I have a coat of arms on my dad's side of the family. So it turned out to be kind of a record. Each block is dedicated to someone, so everyone has their own block. And it's turned out to be kind of a a documentation of my family. Hmm. Now, you also have given lectures to some quilt guilds. Do I understand that right? How that came about was when I won that first Best of Show, it was right after we moved here to Rocky River, a lady that went to the show, wrote my name down, and somehow she found out who I was and where I lived and my phone number. I have no idea how she did that. And I got a phone call out of the blue, and it turns out that the quilt guild is right here in Rocky River, which I was unaware of. And she asked me if I would come in and talk about my quilt and why I made it and what happened. And, you know, she read the write-up, that they put a little write-up on the side of the quilt. And she had to call me two or three times to convince me to go in and talk, <laughs> talk to them. I did, and as it turns out, Several of the women there belong to other guilds, and so they had their other guilds call me. So I started doing trunk shows, and so I go around to the local guilds. I think I've been as far away as Warren, Ohio. I do a trunk show, and I bring about 15 of my quilts and talk about all the quilts that I entered in Farm Park until I won Best of Show, which I'll toot my own horn a little bit. I've won Best of Show four times now. Oh, wow. So have you made it an annual thing to have your quilts in shows somewhere? The only show I'm really interested in putting quilts in is Lake Farm Park, and that's just because that show is the one that got me into quilting. I really and truly don't enter that show to win an award. 
I love the show, and I just feel that if you don't put something in that show, there won't be a show. I mean, you have to have entries in that show. All of us here in Northeast Ohio love going to the show, so we have to keep supporting it by putting entries in the show. <laughs> and after I won a few times, the curator of the show, Andrea Pasquale, approached me and she said, I think you need to start entering bigger shows with your quilt. And so she encouraged me to enter. And so I went to a place at Shipshawana. And I did get entered into Grand Rapids with that same quilt. And then last year, I had a different quilt going to Grand Rapids, but the show was canceled. So it never made it. Yeah. I don't really care too much about sending my quilts to other shows. I mean, it's nice to do, but I get very nervous about shipping them, if they're going to get lost and how they're going to get handled yeah. and if they're going to get back damaged or soiled. So I do this just because I love doing it. I mean, I do like the recognition. I mean, who wouldn't? And I like watching people stand there and look at my quilt and I like listening to comments and so on. I don't put them in shows for that. I just like putting them in the farm park just because I really like to support the local show. Yeah. Now, if someone was interested in one of your lectures, how could they contact you? Oh, well, they could send me an email. I only go as far as I can drive locally. Okay. I'm not one of these gals that likes to get in their car and drive five hours, stay in a hotel. <laughs> I don't think my quilts are worth it. <laughs> you don't want to fly across the country for a quilt show? No, I just sit close to home. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? To give a little encouragement to women that want to get into quilting or that just get started, I would say, first of all, there's too many cooks in the kitchen and to ignore the quilt police, mm -hmm. that there are more than one way to do something and you need to stick with it and figure out which way is good for you and which works well for you. Especially if you're trying to tackle applique, there are so many different ways to do applique. And don't let anybody tell you that there's only one true way to do it because you can get beautiful results from doing a variety of techniques. And I would say try everything. And if you start to not have fun, stop. Walk away, take a break. And if you feel like going back to it, great. And if you don't, there's no harm in saying this project is just not for me. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. That's great information. Well, thanks so much. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you. This was fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, 
Would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.